guys. Wow. Gabe, what's new in your life? Any hot pizza? Yeah, I just had a delicious pizza. Can you describe it to me? It was crunchy and savory, a little spicy. Pervacious. Was it also sweet and soft? Yeah, there was the some sweetness time? and it was there was a supple <laughs> quality to the interior, but it was buoyant as well. Mm-hmm but really just top shelf stuff. <laughs> Does it make you want to shake the hand of the person who made I it? I would love to shake the hand of the man who baked that pizza. Anyway, have you ever had a circumstance where you have to take a needle to a honeycomb cookie and cut out a shape? Maybe say like an umbrella shape or like a circle or a triangle. And then you have the shape crack and then you die because of it? Wow. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, once. <laughs> Well, that happens here in the new Netflix. The smash. Smash. Success. Success. Sweeping. Sweeping. The nation. The nation. I mean, it's been a hot minute since we've had It's not even just the nation, though. It's like. Global. All the nations. Sweeping all of the nations. What is it, Stephen? What are we talking about today? Oh, someone's with us. Oh, my God. (laughs) In the room? (laughs) We are not alone. Gabe, who is with us today? Today... Stephen, we have the privilege to be joined once again by Allie Burnett. Allison Burnett, if you will. Thank you. Thank you. If I should be Gabriel. so familiar. Thank, wow, that's my full name. Allie, can you spell your name for our listeners who are very confused about how Allie might be spelled? Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of questions mm. coming from the community. So it's Allie with a Y, A-L-L-Y, full name, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N. Wow. And how angry do you get? When somebody spells it with an I-E. Oh, I'm livid. Yeah. Mm. Livid. Inconsolable. It's really weird. She like doesn't have any pet peeves, but this one pet peeve of people misspelling her name. She becomes like the axe murderer from So I Married an Axe Murderer. No, I feel like I become (laughs) Angelica Houston from Ever After. There you go. Uh, Anyway, so Gabe. Steven, don't raise your voice with me. Gabriel. Yeah, what's up? What are we doing today? Today, Steven, we'll be covering in detail the smash success sweeping the nation. Not since some amount of time has an IP like this dominated pop culture. It's Netflix's now most popular show, which has forced us at the Cult Podcast and forced our hand to cover this show. It's called The Kids Game. The Kids Game. Kids Game? Squid Game? Squid Game. Squid Game. And what is the Squid Game anyway? Let's ask Allie. What's the Squid Game? Well, it has to do with calamari. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't really processed fully through the show, but it is a Korean show with an all-Korean cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on. So far, you're nailing this. <laughs> Everything you've said I'm is true. getting uh, really interested. It follows a anti-hero in his journey into joining this game, which is a very secretive series of games that a select group of people have voluntarily signed up to participate in. And everyone within this group are typically people who have really nothing else to live for. They're either in an enormous amount of debt or are dissatisfied with their life in some way or they're trying to help someone in their life and so they need money. What kind of games are you talking about? Most of them are children's games. Whoa, like what? Can you give us an example? Like red light, green light or (gasps) marbles or... Glass breaking. Squid game. Yeah, squid game. Or like cutting honeycomb with the needle. 
Yes. So there's a bunch of different games, but the people go through these games and essentially a large amount of the people die within each game. So they become violent. How do they die? Various different ways. For example, the first game they play is Red Light, Green Light, and there's this giant robot girl who essentially annihilates anyone who does Oof. not actually, you know, freeze when it's a red light, you know, etc. We're talking high caliber bullets. Yes. Out for the count. And They're so, sniped during that. Uh, people are freaking out, obviously, once they realize, oh, we die if we don't <laughs> win. And so, you know, a large amount of people want to leave in which the majority does win and they get to leave. However, you know, a big group decides to come back and continue. One being the anti-hero that we follow, whose name is... Jihoon? Jihoon. Jihoon. He's a very likable anti-hero. Oh, man, he's amazing. He's hilarious. He's got this, like, physical, comedic thing going on. He has all the things going wrong in his life. But Down he, on his luck. He ends up being... Are we doing spoilers? This is spoiler warning. Spoilers. <laughs> he, he ends up winning in the end despite all odds gasp what um, main character and even not even <laughs> choosing it for himself he kind of becomes this sacrificial person where he's over it in the end he sees the brutality and the selfishness and he doesn't want to be a part of that but he ends up winning in the end that was a great description ali thank you you nailed it yeah and then in the end he wins like ali says and he doesn't want to even spend the money that he wins because the whole thing is that they make a crap ton of money, but there's only one winner. There's a lot of psychological back and forth throughout the whole thing. Like for example, some people think that multiple winners can win, but it's pretty explicit with all the masked guards that end up killing everybody that you know, there's only going to be one winner. Well, they tell them, you know, leading up to the end that whoever's left will share the money. But like you said, it's made apparent that there will eventually probably only be one winner. Yeah. It's like an idealistic hope that they kind of just decide to set their mind on to get through it. Thus begins the layering of themes for the show. Like Ali said, the thing that they have in common is they're in debt. And because they're down on their luck and some of them have gambling addictions, some of them have uh, just massive debt problems. I think they, the kids would say down bad is how they say. They're down bad? They're down bad. Oh, okay. Okay. For all you kids out there, they're down bad. Like they're desperate. They des. Desi. Desi. I soups Desi. Don't uh, say that ever. Okay. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> so they end up going into this game and then they play. And then Ji Hoon, by the end of it, he wins, like Ali said. And then he doesn't even want to touch the money. And at the end, it's revealed that this sweet old man who he knew inside the game that takes place like on an island somewhere was actually the, the owner of the game or something. <laughs> The runner, the person who... The guy in charge. The Financed guy, it, ran guy it. guy in charge. All of it. It's actually sort of ambiguous, and you don't really get some of the answers that you're looking for toward the end of the season. And then it ends kind of in this space where Ji-hoon, the lead character, seems to be going to try to figure out who's in charge of this game so that he can shut it down. It almost like sets up a season two, but I don't think they were intending on doing a season two. Right, Gabe? Not initially, but seeing how much money it's made or how much it's permeated pop culture, I wouldn't be surprised if it's now on the table from Netflix. But I don't think the director is rushing into it, as we've heard from some eyewitness accounts. It's been very stressful for him. Yeah. What is the director's name? It is Huang Donghyuk. 
apparently lost six teeth during the making of this production because it was so stressful. Six of his teeth literally fell out of his skull. And I thought I had it bad with stress. <laughs> Gabe's down bad. <laughs> More than you know. Huang Dong Hyuk. Huang Dong Hyuk. He did a great job. For someone to write and direct this whole thing themselves is crazy. Yeah, he's the only one credited on IMDb. Wow. That is to say this thing feels like his singular vision all the way through. Oh, it totally does. It's crazy that it came all from him, and it does seem like a singular vision. I really enjoyed it for that reason. There's a couple larger questions for me coming out of this, because obviously it's a very good show. It's gripping enough to tell the story as it did to get people to watch it and not want to stop watching in the show, right? Like, that's the interesting thing about it. Even though some people have called it predictable, I didn't find it to be as predictable as some. It does, you know, have a lot of tropes. It just does them really well. But the bigger questions for me coming out of this show are, uh, number one, what kind of filmmaker was this person so that Netflix gave them the money to make such a technically proficient show so well? Or was it made and then Netflix bought the rights? Like what happened there? Secondly, why, and this is a larger question that will open us up after we answer that first question, but why is this now the most popular show Netflix has ever made? The fact that it isn't an American production, but it's popular internationally. It feels like this tiny little Korean production is like just taking over the globe, you know? So I'm just curious, like why, why this one? Why this production as opposed to all the other productions? Well, to the first question, uh, I don't know. But I know this isn't even close to being Dong Yuk. It's not close to being his first production. He seems to be a pretty prolific director and storyteller in Korea. But I don't know who approached who first. It wouldn't surprise me if Netflix just gave him the money and gave him the opportunity to make whatever he wanted with basically full creative control. And we know Netflix pulls a lot of creators in that way. I mean, just as frequently as just buying the rights to something that no one else wanted to distribute. I think it was a smart call from Netflix because especially in light of Parasite two years ago, you could call it riding the K-wave across the world. You know, it's starting to catch fire. The answer to the first question I just read, oh. it's because international, particularly like Korean productions or Asian productions are far less expensive to make. And so for as technically oh. proficient it looks, it's actually a lot cheaper to make in Korea than it would be here. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It makes sense in a sad way, you know, like yeah. That's the w- wages are... Yes. But also on that note, it wouldn't surprise me if they were just able to make excellent use of the funds they were provided you know i mean and they obviously made it go a long way because you take one look at the sets in this show and it's crazy what they're able to do just as iconic as anything else that's being made right now sure particularly that dr seuss kind of like loading area yeah the loading stair room with all the different pastel colors what is the penrose steps is that what it's called where it's like it's like a maze of steps that seemingly no beginning and no end and it's just a room of that kind of yeah. paradox is very Pretty visually striking. Yeah. Another thing I've heard a lot from people is that while it's good that it is hokey, and I'm always like, well, have you heard of the term Korean melodrama? Yeah. Because probably not. That is sort of a huge reason for why I think the show has what some people might call overacting, which is the same thing. If you go back and listen to our episode one, you'll hear me talk about with Parasite. And the reason that I didn't like it as much was because of the overacting. And I think actually by this time during Squid Game, I actually think I'm super into it now and I have come around on it. I knew you would in time. (laughs) 
You'll come to see things the way I do. As for your second question, that's a pretty interesting topic, you know, the way it's permeated and penetrated the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, there is like a level of like a theatrical element that worked, in my opinion, where some people might feel like, oh, that's forced or like, why are they acting that way? It, it felt right. And I really enjoyed that. And I think that's why it's also been so popular because there is like this theatrical element along with numerous other things that capture but the characters were great they were also great yeah i think the core of it is it's just good it's just good and something that is this good will cross those cultural lines disregarding language barrier Mm -hmm. i do think it is hyped to the point where some people are disappointed with it not even because of the style of it but just because they're it's kind of like when We've seen movies in the past where they've been hyped up so much that you might be disappointed because it's become something so legendary in your mind. But yeah, I think it just capitalized, outside of just being good across the board, technically, it it capitalized on a lot of current sentiment in many ways, from, you know, sociopolitically to the brutality of it, like the violence of it, which it definitely had. Everybody loves a good underdog story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It had everything that you would typically look for in a very conventional story arc sure hero's journey kind of thing but obviously i think probably one of the biggest parts of it is going to be the sociopolitical commentary on even like what parasite did with the class warfare i've seen people take away different things from this show i've seen people say it's a critique on capitalism just as much as i've seen people say it's a critique on the more left-leaning political systems like socialism and communism. And I think it's fascinating that people can take those things away. And I think there are valid points to each of those arguments. Ultimately, for me, when I was watching it, it didn't seem like it was leaning into a specific camp because regardless of how you spin it, regardless of how your country identifies itself in terms of the political spectrum, wherever you go, there is such a discrepancy across higher to lower classes, like a wealth discrepancy. You'll find the same thing in China that you find in the United States. Mm -hmm. that you'll find in a South American or a South African or a European country where it is the poor get poorer and the rich get richer. And I think it's fascinating that we find ourselves there just because the greed of man permeates any social system that you can set up. And in this case, it was framed in such a way that what I thought was fascinating is that there was really no higher goal to this entire game, this whole ruse, other than to provide entertainment for a select few individuals, mostly of a Western background. Elitist, yeah, white men. Yeah, but it was that simple. And I'm missing the more appropriate word here, but it wasn't for profit. It was for entertainment. And that's the most interesting part of it to me. And the way that hammers home through the final words of the old man, Il-Nam or something, that Jihoon had come to befriend and then it was revealed that he was behind the whole thing. The way he describes it to Jihoon at the very end is like, we basically just did this because everything else in life had lost its luster at this point right. of affluence. Right. We just did this because essentially we were bored and we wanted to be entertained. Yeah. I think that was the takeaway. Those are all great points. And I think specifically when they come to that end scene with the old man and Jihoon at the end, you know, they have a bet essentially. And the old man says, you know, that drunk on the side of the road, no one's going to come for him. Essentially revealing his point of view that this is humanity. Humanity is harsh 
at its base level. It's selfish at its base level. But Jean Hoon says, no, like, no, I'll bet against that. Someone will help him before 12 a.m. So naive. It is naive because, you know, even the majority of people wouldn't, you know, bet on that. They would say probably no one will help him. But sure enough, before 12 a.m., the police, you know, roll up with someone who had contacted them or called them to go help him and you know they get out and go to assist the man on the side of the road um, which i think is the heart of the show in a lot of ways because it's showing this huge contrast between this character who is very heartfelt jihoon and kind of the rest of humanity right and so it's really putting forth this idea that love or sacrifice for the other can win I mean, he's the one who wins. Yeah. And he doesn't win through brutality. Essentially, he gives up in the end because he wants his friend to live. Yeah, he's constantly fighting against the cynicism Mm-hmm. That seems to the the world that he lives in, and Ji Hoon is definitely you know flawed in his own way, but he's constantly striving against the cynicism of mm-hmm. his own world. And there's an interesting uh, amount of nihilism as well that comes from these richer folks, like I said, who are like there's like no value to their way of living or human life. There's no value to human life. Yeah, and Ji Hoon at the bottom, you know, despite his own flaws, is someone who is everything seems like precious to him, even these relationships with the people that he's losing along the way. And to see him basically broken by the end of the show is pretty heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. But then he has this rebirth. He dyes his hair red. Yeah. And there's this visual like rebirth at the same time. Like We don't know what he's going to do next. And when he's on that plane, or he's going to get on that plane to go see his daughter in America, but he turns back. He's on the phone with someone. They say, no, this is what's best for you. Go on the plane. Uh-huh. But he turns back. So there's something brewing within him. And I think it's justice. In the face of like futility, he's going to continue to fight. It's pretty inspiring in that way. But it is interesting. It's funny because, Stephen, you mentioned earlier, it's kind of predictable along the way. But I'm glad they didn't go for any shocking Yeah, me too. It was satisfying. Yeah. I've said this before, but I think it's always better to tell a good story than to try to be shocking. Yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, it's not shocking because the show was shocking. End of Game of Thrones, shocking. Yeah, where they try so hard to just pull something out of left field that you would never have guessed is possible. Mistakes. When your characters suffer because of your creator's conceit. I loved that it really took its time in the beginning. Episode two was entitled Hell. And it was interesting, it was it was people back in their normal lives, back in South Korea, after they had already gone to the game and realized how insane it was, because you're basically going to be shot if you don't succeed. And they have the option of going back to their normal lives. <laughs> and while they're back in their own lives, because they think the other place is crazy with the game and they don't want to die, they all decide to come back because they consider themselves essentially to be in hell in their normal lives, just in despair, in debt, not succeeding, having to struggle just to eat or pay for medical bills. But one of the most interesting things about this show to me, apart from sort of the realism and the setup for how it set up the rest of the show and the motivation for the characters to go get the money and then try to go back to some semblance of normal life, which they probably can't do after essentially murdering 
hundreds of people is this was kind of a small aspect of it but one of the characters is from north korea and she's interacting with a lot of people who are obviously from south korea from the more poverty parts of town but they have this kind of like stigma toward her because she's from north korea and this assumption this it's not even a racism because they're the same race but it's this prejudice against mm-hmm. her for being from north korea and not either not understanding you know what it means to live in south korea or having some sort of like you know dirty aspect that she brought down from north korea and i thought that that was so interesting cuz i mean in america we don't really have that here to that large of a scale where the united states of america is split like north to south but we do have you know like like the way that i could kind of equate it in my mind is like maybe looking at the homeless population or more poverty parts in like inner city people who don't have it as good as privileged people or you know like people experiencing homelessness and that in of itself is just an interesting thing to look at because while we at the top are privileged you know can look down and kind of assess or pass judgment on people who are experiencing difficulty just existing and living that oftentimes we sort of segregate them in our minds and form these kind of societal opinions about what they might be or who they might be or the kind of life that they've led, etc. And we don't like to associate with them. And so that was also a pretty prevalent idea that ran throughout the show is even people who came from this common space of being in debt and being in trouble and being on hard times, they broke into factions and started segregating themselves. And I just thought it was so fascinating to watch because it was so clear that this was written by someone very intelligent who may have experienced different aspects of life, both privilege and difficulty, or at least be very well acquainted with, you know, the idea I spent a lot of time thinking about that kind of separation in society. And yeah, I don't really have like a final point, but I just thought that that was a very unique aspect it was just one of the the very many layers on top of all of the other layers that were occurring i think that's the best takeaway because it's also the most not really appropriate but applicable well even to take it a step farther and to say and to identify that it is the upper class or the one percent or whatever you want to call them that pit the lower class amongst themselves to cause that disruption and keep them from you know mobilizing and gathering their strength. I mean, even in our own country, I mean, this happens everywhere, but you think about the idea of manufacturing consent, um, the mega corporations like AT&T that own both Fox News and CNN, the people that are playing both sides of the table and driving literally like the people against each other of the lower class just to keep them busy because they don't, you know, that helps them preserve their power. So I think there isn't a more cutting rebuke than to show that because it is yeah and that's not even something people like you said really take away or think of immediately because i mean (laughs) not many people know that sort of thing that like one company will own two sides of a coin just to keep people in conflict with one another it's really quite brilliant when you think about it very political yeah and this show is nothing if not that but it, I'm glad you mentioned the character from North Korea because I was going to say in a show whose hook is the deadly game show idea, of, of which there have been many, especially on Netflix and especially from Korea and Japan, the character work in this show is the best part. And, you know, especially the final three, which is Ji Hoon, his 
friend from his youth and the girl from North Korea. They all have wonderful characterization and great arcs throughout the show uh, with satisfying, yeah, heartbreaking, but satisfying conclusions to their stories, except for Jihoon, who is who walks off, you know, at the end of the show to do something, whatever it is. Dies hair it. Yeah. But that is uh, the best part of the show and what I think cements it, that idea, once again, for me, of the Korean melodrama being so good. Yeah. And one of the reasons why I loved Parasite is because the characters are just uh, so magnetic to watch and satisfying to follow. Yeah, that's a great vocabulary word, magnetic. The characters were very gripping, for sure. It's like an element of good characterization and just the right amount of violence (laughs) that people love. Yeah, keep them interested with a little violence. (laughs) And a little gore. We saw some twisted, mangled corpses in this show. Uh, we saw people, you know, carving up, doing autopsies. There's a lot of Harvesting great... Harvesting organs. It's yeah. really gross. The mystery is thrilling, even if it's not entirely... Like, you can kind of piece it together as you're going, but I think that's that's just good storytelling. <laughs> so, yeah, true. Yeah. So all these things maybe help you start to see why it's had such an impact. Mm-hmm. People are talking. I mean, Halloween costumes are selling out. People want to be part of the Squid mm-hmm. Game. Even Vans white low top shoes oh, that's right. are like sold out because people are just buying white van slip-ons to recreate the costumes for this especially because halloween's just right around the corner next weekend i'd love to go as either one of the pink jumpsuit henchmen <laughs> or the man in charge yeah very cool very stylistic i wear the dress as player 456 or something like that i like those little jumpsuits yeah they're very very cool great drip as the kids say. Drip. That's what they call outfits. You're really into the kids today. I, wa- you, I watch a little Twitch. This? I watch a little Twitch and keep up on my lingo. <laughs> they say you got great drip. Thank YouTube, but it's happening in real time. It's live stream. Oh, that's the thing you're on all the time. Yeah. I'm, oh, well, okay. Now I feel bad, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's mostly... Do you film? No, I don't broadcast. You think I broadcast? <laughs> no. I, uh, I, I do not no broadcast, idea. but I do consume. I do not produce, but I do mm. consume. What do you like to consume? Gabe is what's called a lurker because he yes. was... Yeah, but like, what do you want to lurk on? Like, what's so interesting? Everything. Let's end the podcast. Uh, so this <laughs> has been... This, I know, it's fine. This has been The Squid Game. This has been and will be again. Uh, we'll see you next time when we talk about The French Dispatch. So here's one of the hot new tracks from Squid Game. So long.